Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right, how you guys doing today? Awesome. Well, if I have yet to meet you before, my name is Aaron Ashton. I'm so grateful to be up here talking to you this morning, but I'm the worship pastor here at Encounter Church, and... Uh, Man, worship was fantastic today. I don't know about you guys, but I felt like um, just as I was sitting up here doing just a little box thing, um, it, it was awesome. So I'm just grateful that we have awesome people on our team, on the worship team, who are able to fill in whenever um, I am not. So shout out to you guys because it was it was great today. But uh, anyway, just wanted to sort of give you um, the rundown of everything that we've been doing the past couple of weeks here at Encounter Church. Uh, we're in this series called Take Root, Bear Fruit. And uh, it's been awesome. The, the main idea of this message series has really just been to uh, help us understand how when we have a rooted relationship with Christ, how it affects uh, different aspects in our life. How when we have a rooted relationship with Jesus, when we're pursuing him and we're following him day to day, how um, different aspects in our life begin to change because of that. So the first week we talked about um, the main idea was that the evidence of a rooted relationship with Christ is a changed life. So basically everything in our life, whenever we're um, constantly putting God first, things just begin to shift. Our, our mindset, our worldviews begin to change. We begin to see things through the lens of God. And then the second week we talked about love and how the, the hallmark fruit of a rooted relationship with Christ is love. So really without love... Nothing else really matters, and that's really the, the point of that message, the point of um, really a lot of things that God preached and Jesus preached throughout the Gospels. Um, and then last week, we talked about how a rooted relationship with Christ reflects the fruit of His generosity. Um, so as we see throughout Scripture, as we see even throughout our lives personally, God, He is such a generous God. He's always giving to us. He's always uh, pursuing us, spending time with us. God is such a generous God, and that's what happens whenever we pursue Him and and are rooted in a relationship with him, is we become generous as well. So today, we're just going to cap off this whole series. Really excited to talk to you about this last point here today, but um, we're going to talk about how we can be active in our relationship with God. So all of these different things that we've talked about so far, it's all going to kind of come together to this. And as, as I was preparing this message this week, I thought it was actually super interesting that um, I didn't even realize this would happen, but as I was sort of studying the scriptures and stuff like that, I realized that everything that we um, talked about already was really like the first part of my message. It was like the first part of what God wanted me to share with you guys today. So um, I think it's really cool how God tends to do that because um, I don't plan that well, so I'm just going to throw it out there. If it sounds like it all meshed perfectly, it was God. It wasn't me. So... Um, I just love how God does that, though. He's uh, so faithful in that. So, um, But today, I just wanted to ask you a quick question, if that's all right. I, th I was thinking about different people in my life who, who have been very generous to me, who have been, um, who have shown me a lot of love, who have shown me generosity, who have given me a lot of things and, uh, in different instances in my life. And, and, and I thought back to a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Nick, and his wife's name is Heidi. And both of them, I've known them for, for about 10 years or so by now. Um, but if you rewind to maybe five or six years ago in my life, uh, I went through a pretty rough patch. And um, basically, to keep a long story, very long story, really short, uh, I'm just going to say that um, 
through a sequence of events. I was going to uh, University of Valley Forge, and then some stuff happened. I was being stupid, like a stupid college kid. Um, one thing led to another. Got kicked out of school. Whoop, whoop. It was a good time. Um, but basically, in all of that, um, God remained faithful in every aspect of that. But that was a really difficult moment in my life because as I look back on that, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're working, maybe not your whole life, but a, a large portion, maybe the, like the last five or so years of your life to, to get to a college. You're working toward a degree that you, you feel like you're really excited and passionate about, and then everything was just like taken from under me. And, and it was really difficult um, for me to deal with. But um, Nick and Heidi, in that moment, when they heard about everything that went down, they they under they saw that I needed something. They saw that I needed help. They saw that I needed a friend just to be with. And, and what they ended up doing was they opened up their home to me. Uh, I was in a place where I didn't really know. Like I just needed to get away from from the world. Like I needed to just take a break from life. And so I took about two weeks. I spent time at their house, ate all their amazing food, uh, hung out with them. He gave me some work to do, so I wasn't completely broke, just a little bit broke. Um, if you've been in college, you know exactly what I'm saying, but. You know, it was a lot better than ramen noodles, we'll just put it that way. And so I, I got a, to spend time with them. They invested into my life. They gave me everything that they had. They just sat down with me. They showed me love. They just talked with me about really anything. They talked with me about, you know, stuff that I was going through, but then they also just were a friend just to talk to you about sports or, or whatever it was, just to give me comfort and to give me some guidance. And uh, as I look back on that, that two-week period of my life, I always look at that with so much, uh, so much gratitude to them. I don't really get to see them often because they live a little bit f- far away, but honestly, I don't think they realize the impact that, that they had on my life because of how generous that they were, how, how much love that they just showed to me in a place where I really needed that. They just showed me Jesus, and, and, and I, I knew who God was at the time. Like, I was pursuing Jesus and everything, but they just showed me who Jesus was in a, a completely new and in a completely fresh way. And I was so grateful for that. So my question for you, though, is if you've ever had an experience similar to that where, you know, maybe you didn't know God yet or maybe you did, but there was someone in your life who came into your life and, and, and they just loved you. They showed you God's grace. They showed you generosity. They, they, just, they just give things to you. They, would, they were generous with you. And if there's you know, people in your life that w- like that, I feel like if you're anything like me, it's, it's just beautiful to look back on those moments and see how, how they showed Jesus to us. It's beautiful to look back and just thank them for the things that they did or, or what they, um, how they impacted your life. And that's what I feel like Nick and Heidi did for me. I think that um, as I look back on it, though, I, I realized that you know, we're all here today just pursuing God, but, but our, our calling is to do just that for the world. Our calling is to do just that for those that we love, for those that are around us, and even those that we might not even know yet. And today I just wanted to talk about um, how Jesus shows us in the most perfect way how to um, show his love to the world. And I thought it was interesting, uh, I landed on this scripture but it's uh, one of those, like, deep tracks in the scriptures. You may or may not have heard about it, but um, it comes from John, and it's actually John 3.16. Anyone heard of, anyone heard of that, that scripture? Yeah? Okay. 
Um, so yeah, actually, <laughs> John 3.16 came to mind whenever I was preparing this week, and also verse 17. And I've, I've heard this scripture probably maybe 10,000 or so times in my life, right? I think we've all heard it. Even when you're watching football, you can see it on, like, every time they kick a field goal, someone's holding up a John 3.16 sign. So it's something that we are used to in our culture. It's a scripture that we've heard time and time again. But I really wanted to read it to you today and to unpack it just a little bit to see how this scripture actually shows a beautiful way that Jesus intended evangelism to take place on this earth. Because it's more than, evangelism is a word that I think we kind of put in a box. Evangelism is like, you know, Billy Graham, he was a great evangelist. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Johannes, uh, the the um, founder of SOS Ministries, who we do a lot of missions work with, he's an evangelist. You know, Aaron and Susie Hoover, they're evangelists. Um, but really evangelism is a whole lot more than just this one specific thing. Evangelism is something that that we all are actually called to do. Um, so I'm not saying we're all going to go out today and get on our soapboxes on the street and start preaching to people. But what I do want to show to you today is just how God um, wants us to to be evangelists in our life in a way that's far greater than I think that we might understand right now. So, all right, so John 3.16. If you want to, like, whisper it under your breath, I know it's really hard not to. <laughs> um, but it says this. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. When we put those two things together, I think it's amazing. Um, so often we forget that verse 17, it says that God didn't come to condemn us, you know? So often I think that in our culture, we view Christianity as this this place where, you know, if you go there, you're going to get judged, you're going to get ridiculed, you're going to, people are going to tell you what's right and what's wrong. They're going to tell you, you know, you're not good enough to be a Christian or, or you're not good enough to be loved by God. And I think a lot of times in our world, people view Christianity in that way, but that's so far from the truth. Because what we see here in this simple scripture, God did not come to condemn us. He did not come to tell us that we're not good enough. He came to save each one of us. He came to give us the power that we need to overcome the things that we struggle, the things that we face every single day and every single moment. Um, so as I was looking at this scripture, I thought about how Jesus really showed this to us. And it all honestly just went back to the cross for me. But throughout Jesus' ministry, you know, he, the Bible says that as he was going around preaching the gospel to people, you know, sharing the love of Jesus to everyone, he always would show compassion on people. He wasn't just going around um, laying hands on people that needed to be healed. He, he, he didn't just go around and say like, oh, I see you can't walk, so just a little prayer. All right, see ya. He actually went to them. The Bible says so often throughout his healing ministry, he would see them. He would have compassion on them. And then he would pray for them that they would be healed. And I think that's amazing. And when you see that little glimpse of, of Jesus' heart for us, you see that Jesus wasn't just this almighty God who, who came and was like a pompous being. He was just someone who came because he wanted to pursue us. He wanted to have relationship with each one of us. And because of that, that's why we see so often that in his ministry, he would always have compassion for people. He would always show love to people. And that's why he did what he did. It was all based. It was all centered around love. And I think that's amazing. But as I see 
the end of his ministry, whenever he was on the cross. As I was reading through this, I was reading in Luke chapter 23, and I saw, just picturing, I don't know if you've seen a movie like The Passion of the Christ or anything like that, but just picturing the beating, the brutal suffering that Jesus went through for, for almost a day. As the Bible says that he was beaten so badly that he was unrecognizable. And he's up there being beaten, being tormented by all of these people who, who hate him so much. And in Luke, it says that he's just up there on the cross with his arms stretched wide, and, and he's not angry. He's not judging people. But what he actually says in this chapter, in Luke 23, 34, he says, Father, he says, forgive them, for they, they don't know what they do. And as I realize, like, how on earth could someone go through so much pain? <laughs> how, how on earth could someone go through such beating, be hanging there on a cross, tormented, but yet he's looking at every single person who just beat him. He's looking at every single person who was just mocking him, and he asked God to forgive them. I think that's such a beautiful picture of of God's love. But not only did he love, but the, the three main things I noticed in this passage was that he loved, he gave, so that I can live. So he loved, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what, they don't understand. And then he gave, it says that he gave his life over to God as he breathed his last breath. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He gave everything, like literally, as we just sang this morning, you know, all that I have, I give. That's what Jesus did. The reason that we want to do that, the reason that we sing that is because we want to be like Jesus. Because Jesus literally gave all that he had. He left, he left heaven, which was a perfect place. He left paradise. He was with God all the time. He was in, I don't even know how to explain heaven, but it was, it's, as you know, it's just a, a perfect place that is, is, is so much greater than here. But he decided, I'm going to go to earth. I'm going to go down. I'm going to save these people because I love them so much. He gave literally everything that he had. And he had everything. He had everything to lose. And he did. He lost it all for us. He did this very simply because he just wanted to be with us. You know, as you continue reading throughout the crucifixion story, he forgave us. And then and then he gave his life he handed his spirit over to God, and then it says in that moment, in the temple, a curtain split in half. This was, uh, just to give you a little bit of context, in the Jewish temple, before Jesus uh, was crucified, basically what happened was there was different rooms where you were able to access, but there was only one person, there was only a high priest that was able to access this one room, it was called the Holy of Holies, and really, it was simply just the presence of God was in that room. And there was this giant curtain that, that they created you can read that earlier in the scriptures of, about what that's all about. But in that moment, that curtain separating us from the presence of God was just split right down the middle whenever Jesus died because he gave himself for us so that he could be with us. So now we live in a place where wherever you go, the Holy Spirit can be with us. God's Spirit is, is here today. You know, we don't have to go to Pastor Jared and say, like, Jared, I need you to pray for me for this thing. We can just go to God face to face. We can meet with him personally. And I love that the reason that this whole mission took place is simply so that Jesus could could be with us. Just simply because he wanted to be 
with us, to have a relationship with each one of us today. So as I look and see how Jesus, like in my opinion, I feel like this is the most beautiful picture of evangelism because Jesus literally lived it out. He did everything that he, has, that he asks us to do. You know, he loved us. He gave everything for us. And, and I asked myself, like, how can I do the same? So he loved, he gave so that I can live, so that I can love, and then I can give so that the rest of the world can live eternally. But everything that we do must be in the same way as God did it. Everything that we do should be out of love, just the way that Jesus showed to us. In Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians 13 is very well known as the love chapter. Another one you may have heard a thousand times if you've been to a thousand weddings, I guess. But pretty much every wedding you hear, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. You know, everyone always just goes through this um, this idea of, of what love is. But before we get to that point in that the, the very well-known scripture of love is patient, love is kind, even before that in this chapter, Romans 13, verse 1 through 3, I just want to read it out for you. But basically before um, Paul is writing this, this gospel, or he's writing this letter to the Corinthian church, and he's talking about all these spiritual gifts that happen, all these amazing things, you know, you know, you can, um, God has given us the power to pray for people that they would be healed. God has given us the power to overcome darkness. But then he, he ends it all by saying that, um, by saying this, he says, if I speak human or angelic languages, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understanding, all memories and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So I don't know about you, but I think that we need love. I can't help but sing the Beatles in my head right now. All you need is love. Um, But yeah, so the point, though, is that all that we need, the first thing that we need, the basis of it all is that we need to love people. Just as the scriptures say, you know, Jesus, he had compassion on people throughout his ministry. Day to day in our lives, every single person that we encounter, we need to see them through the lens of love. We need to see them as they are. We need to see what they're going through, what they're struggling with. We need to take a moment and just speak to them. Ask them how they're doing. Show them the love of Jesus. And then the second thing that Jesus did that we must do also is, that, is to give. So I must give everything that I have for the sake of Jesus. So this concept is interesting to me because if I think of like giving everything I have, I'm thinking basically like, so I'm supposed to get rid of my truck, I'm supposed to get rid of my house, get rid of everything I have, and like just be a vagabond on the street. Like is that, is that what he's saying? But, but no, that's not really biblical. What it's saying is that if I give everything that I have to God, then for one, yeah, he does bless you. He does give you opportunities to live a, uh, a fruitful life. But the point is not to give necessarily like all these worldly possessions and things. It's a very shallow way to look at this. But the point is that if we give everything in our hearts to Jesus, if we just stand before God and say, you know, think of the things like in my, in my eyes, I remember whenever I thought I got my first car and I was like, dude, this is the bee's knees, man. This is a, a 97 Ford Thunderbird, this car is amazing. Better than any other car out there in the world. Got that sucker for 400 bucks. Best car ever. His name was Swaggy. But anyway, so I thought before, like, so 
you know, I got to get rid of Swaggy. Like, how am I supposed to do that? But what I realized was giving everything to God doesn't necessarily mean, like, to get rid of it. What means is as we give our possessions, as we give our time, as we give our efforts to Jesus, then he begins to place his hand on that. It's not necessarily saying I'm getting rid of this, but it's saying, like, God, if this car, like, if you want me to give this to someone, I will do that. But I'm letting it go. Like, this is yours. I want you to have all that I have so that if I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, you know, bless this person with something, then God can do that, you know, and it's not going to be like this heartbreaking thing. Something that I really had to deal with with Swaggy, though. That was a hard thing to deal with. But and then the last thing is just that if, if I love people and if I give to people, then it gives them the opportunity to see who Jesus is. It gives them the opportunity for a life eternal, for a life that's far greater on this earth. So John 3.16 starts out saying, For God so loved the world that he gave. And I think that that one line right there is super important to know, that he loved us so much that he gave. So the, the main objective of this message today, I felt, was really that when I invest into my personal relationship with God, that he would transform me so that I can reflect his love to the world around me. I'm going to say that one more time because it's a little long. But when I invest into my personal relationship with God, he will transform me so that I can reflect his love to the world around me. You know, this idea is beautiful to me because as I'm listening to this, I'm listening like, I have to be just like Jesus. Like, how the heck am I supposed to do that? Like, God, he was perfect, I know. You know, he went through struggles just like we do. But he overcame all of them through the power of the Holy Spirit. But... Like, I can't, I can't be perfect. I can't live a perfect life. So how am I supposed to be like Jesus if I can't do this in my own strength? But the beauty of it is, there's no way God has ever expected any of us to be perfect in our own strength. We can't do it on our own. But God has given us the resources. He has given us the power that we need to do it. Uh, Romans 12, 2, it says, that, it says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And that's the point there, that as we pursue God, as we spend time in his presence, as we spend time reading scripture, as we spend time just honoring him, thanking him for who he is, worshiping him, when we do that and we're in the presence of God, our mind begins to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not really up to us in our own strength. It's not up to us to become perfect. It's up to the Holy Spirit in us. But really, the point is that we just need to be willing to open ourselves to that. We need to be willing to give everything that we have to God. We need to be willing to let the Holy Spirit speak to us and to show us that, that uh, he can do it through us. I love that the mission of God really, you know, he could have just came down on a white horse and been like, those who don't love me, are doomed. Those who love me, you can come over here and hang out with me now. Like, he could have just conquered the world on his own, right? And, and, and came in this majestic way. But, but I love that God actually decided that he wanted to use me to change the world. He wanted to use everyone in this place here to change the world. I love that God, who is so powerful, like, you think about it, he literally created, as you look up in the sky, and he created all of those stars, he created the galaxies. He created the beautiful flowers that are popping up pretty soon here. He, he created the beautiful snow that's going down far too long. He created all of these things. 
He's so mighty. He's so strong. But yet he decided, you know, I want to use Aaron Ashton. I want to use him to show my love to the world. I want to use Pastor Jared to show my love to the world. I want to use the people of the church to show my love to the world. And I love that he decided to do it that way because it's such an adventure. It's so amazing to see God's power just through me saying yes to him. The fact that I can go to the store and just talk to someone who's there and just take a moment and just be like, hey, how you doing, man? Like, they're probably just going through the grocery thing, like, beep, beep, like trying not to talk to me because they just want to get through the day. But if I take a moment and just stand there and I'm like, hey, how you doing? Sometimes I'll be like, I'm good. What do you want? And I'm like, I don't, I don't want anything. I just wanted to know how you're doing. And whenever, whenever you can just, simple things like that, just sharing with someone like that you actually care, that you actually want to know how they're doing, that you actually are seeing them for who they are, that you want to talk about what they might be going through, what they might be dealing with. I love that God has called each one of us to show his love to the world. See, this is all this is all beautiful. Like it's all cool to be like, yeah, I can do this. Like I can I can be an evangelist to the world. I can, you know, show the love of Jesus to everyone that I see. But really, if we if we don't realize that it's before all of that, before everything else, like God wants to experience a relationship with you. And I think that whenever we do that, that's what changes things. So I actually saw this quote. It says that roots can't be seen, but they do all the work that is necessary to sustain the visible. So whenever we're rooted in a relationship with Jesus, whenever we're focused on what he has for us, when we're focused on his word, when we're focused on studying the Bible or just spending time in his presence or praying to him, that's whenever these things begin to be possible because you can fake it for so long, but there's only so much you can go. There's, there's only a certain place that you can go, and God has to take it from that point forward. You know, you can't change someone's life. The Holy Spirit can change someone's life. So as we pursue him and as we focus on our relationship with God and as we're rooted in a relationship with Jesus, all of these things will begin to just sprout up from that foundation of that relationship with him. So people will begin to see God through you. They'll begin to understand, you know, you're a changed person now. So many times I've heard people, like a friend of mine, uh, his name is Brandon. I remember before I knew him, he was, I don't think he would hate me for saying this. He was a little bit of a wreck. <laughs> Just because, you know, he was trying to get through life, living the bachelor life and everything, and and. You know, he just didn't really know. Like, he couldn't get traction on life. It just seemed like over and over again, you know, things would just pop up. You know, he just couldn't get ahead. But I remember seeing Brandon of, like, four years ago as compared to Brandon of now. And and as I look at that, as you look at the big picture, you see he was trying to do all of these things on his own. But then he experienced God. He experienced who Jesus really was. And now a guy who basically ate ramen noodles and toast all the time because he didn't really know how to, like, schedule his life. Now he's, like, leading teams of people to go to, I think they just went to, like, PPG Paints Arena to figure out, like, how to do media stuff. Like, things, crazy stuff like that. Like, how could you have opportunities to do that if you're just doing all these things on your own? It's not really feasible to think that way. But 
He experienced who God was. He pursued him on a day-to-day basis. He had a deep relationship with God. He pursued him all the time, and God changed his life because of it. So we cannot change anyone. I think that we all probably would know that if you just hang out on Facebook for like 30 seconds. Go on there and just try to change someone's mind. Just be like, (laughs) if I just like went on there and typed Donald Trump as my status... I think all hell would break loose, and I don't even know why. Like, people would just go crazy and be, like, saying a bunch of opinions and stuff, and and if I try to change someone's mind, it's not really going to work. But the truth is that it's not really up to us, and I'm grateful for that because I'm not smart enough to change someone's mind, but I know that the Holy Spirit is through me. So as we begin to pursue him, have a relationship with him, and show his love to people, I think that people will be in a grasp that there is something different. So just to kind of close us out today, I just had a little bit of a challenge for you. But really the question that I have is, is just how can I show Jesus to those in my life? And it honestly is quite simple in terms of what we do. The difficulty is actually being disciplined to do it, though, because, you know, you can decide I'm going to wake up every morning and, and spend 30 minutes reading my Bible or just listening to some worship music or, you know, as I'm driving to work, maybe put on a little bit of elevation worship, acoustic sessions, solid album, just throwing that out there. But, you know, doing things, being disciplined, understanding that it takes time, it takes effort to actually pursue Jesus. But the things that we really need to do is to want to just tell our story. So you can just, as you approach people in your workplace, maybe, Just say, you know, little things like how God has done things in your life. Begin to tell them just stories that he has done, how he's been faithful. As Mary mentioned during our giving moment, we've been really trying our best to honor God with our finances. And I've seen his faithfulness in ways that I couldn't even really explain. Like landscapers, if you you don't know, we can't cut grass in the snow. Um, so usually this, the, this time of year is like the slow season, you know? And so it was a little bit stressful for me as I was looking about seeing what to do, but it's just been absolutely ridiculous to see how God has blessed uh, me with opportunities to reach my goals, not even just reach them, but like surpass them far greater than I could even like understand. I don't even get it, but somehow God is just providing in ways that is so much greater than I, than I ever could. So I can share just little stories like that with people. A friend of ours uh, who's in the church, he just had like an incredible experience how God was able to um, just to like give him enough physical healing where he could live out one of his amazing dreams in his life. And, and he's able to just share that story with other people. So think about the things that God has done in your life and and share that with other people. Share with people how you experienced him. Share with people how you met him. And then we need to constantly view the world through the lens of love. And as I mentioned earlier, just simply taking time. Maybe you just need to, like, give yourself an extra 10 minutes on your way to work. Maybe you pass someone who is almost always there, like, asking for some money or asking for food. And you can just intentionally think to yourself, I'm going to take an extra 10 minutes today. I'm going to go sit down, pull over, and just talk to this dude for a little bit and see what's going on in his life. See how I can show him the love of Jesus. Things like that. Encourage people. Listen to people. Figure out what they're actually going through. Don't just say, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. 
cool. See ya. Like, that's not how you're going to get to know people. And then finally, just to give everything that you are. So put yourself in a position of evangelism. Put yourself in a place where you actually have an opportunity to show people the love of Jesus. I think back on a story in Jesus' ministry where he was with his disciples and they were on this journey just going from city to city, just sharing the gospel with people. And all his disciples, they're all tired. They're all going to get some food. But the Bible says that he he went through a, a city called Samaria. And just to give you a little bit of quick context, this is like a group of Jewish people who were walking through a place called Samaria. It was basically like they were the opposite in terms of their faith. They had a lot of hatred. They had a lot of um, dissension toward each other. And it wasn't, it was very common actually for, for any Jewish man, like he would just literally ignore a Samaritan woman. He wouldn't even talk to them. He wouldn't even show them the time of day. But I love how Jesus, he's always breaking the norms, you know? And in this story, you see the disciples are off getting some food and Jesus just walks up to this well. She has no idea who this guy is, but he walks up to this well in the middle of the day and he's just like, can you get me some water? And she like looks up at him like, do you, do you know who I am? Like, Do you know that I'm a Samaritan woman? Do you know that there's no way that you should ever be talking to me? Like, I'm okay with you not talking to me. Like, I understand the culture. But Jesus, you know, he's here just trying to break that off. He's trying to break that culture. And, and he starts talking to her and he just says, basically goes into the story where he, he's sharing with her that he can give her water that will never run out. Giving her water that is eternal. What he's saying to her is that he can give her love that, that is like none other. He can show her that Jesus is the only way um, to live life eternally. That Jesus is the way to heaven. And then she realizes through this series of events that he is the one who everyone has been talking about. He is the Messiah. He's the one who came to redeem the world. She gets so excited. She goes over and she talks to this whole entire city of Samaritans. And the Bible says that the whole city came to Jesus because of what she shared with them. The whole city. The Samaritan woman, she was literally an outcast. There's a reason she was trying to get water at the hottest day, the, or the hottest time of the day. It's because no one else was there. She was this woman who was condemned. She was judged in her culture. She, she had multiple husbands. She was seen as this horrible, disgusting woman in her culture. But God chose her to be the one to change the entire city. God came to her to speak to her, to break off those norms, to break off the um, the division in that area, to break off the hatred in that place. He chose her to change that city simply because she shared a story of how Jesus showed her love. So I just want to challenge you this morning with everything that I said. I hope that it made sense to you. But really the point of everything all, the point of it all is that Jesus wants to spend time with each one of us. Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. He's always pursuing us. And when we choose to say yes to Jesus, it's a beautiful thing. He'll begin to transform your life. He'll begin to, things will begin to shift in your life. He'll begin to understand his love more. You'll begin to understand that he has so much more for you, that you're not in this alone. And when we do that, we need to be able to take that love that we have been given, that grace that we have been given, and show it to the world around us, to show it to the people that are around us. 
whether it's in big events like we do, we go do it, give coffee to people and evangelize to people on the street and just talk to them. You talk to them about what they're going, what's going on in their life. Whether it's doing things like that or if it's at your workplace, just talking to people, whether it's talking to your family, talking to your friends, just asking them what's going on in their life, how Jesus can impact their life. There's so many ways that we can show the love of Jesus to people. And the point is just that we need to be Jesus to them. So the last thing I just want to leave you with before we sing, some people might never walk into a church. They might never want to experience God. They might never pursue God on their own. But we have the ability to change that. Maybe someone doesn't ever want to come to church, but you might be the only Jesus, so to speak, to them. You might be the only thing that they'll ever see that's close to to Christianity. Sometimes Christianity gets a bad rap in this place, in this city, or in this area, in, in our Western culture, because people are confused. They think that it's a bunch of rules and stuff, but really it's just about the love of Jesus. And if we can show simply the love of Jesus to other people, they'll begin to grasp who God really is. They'll begin to understand all he wants is to be your father. So we're going to sing this song again, all for the one who saved me. And I want to challenge you today as we sing this to really mean it with all that you have. If this is your prayer today, if you want to give everything you are to him, this is your opportunity to sing that out to him. This is your opportunity to declare that to him. Um, but real quick, I want to give you just a chance if you've never met Jesus before, just to give your life to him. This is the most incredible thing that you could ever do. I can promise you that. In my life, I know my life has been totally transformed because of Jesus. I've been in places that are so low. I've been in places that are dark. But Jesus has always been faithful. He has always given me his hand to pull me back up. So I'm just going to pray a simple prayer with you today. And just for the sake of those who are praying this, maybe for the first time, or maybe you want to give your life back to Jesus and say, again, I'm giving my life to you, God, today. From this moment forward, from this day on, I'm going to look back on today and remember, this is the time that I decided that I'm done trying to do this on my own, that I want to live for Jesus. Uh, So let's all just repeat after me as I go through this prayer today. God, I thank you for your love. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross. And he rose from the grave to overcome sin, to overcome my shame, to overcome my guilt. And I pray today that you would forgive me. And I choose to live my life for you and you alone. All that I have, I give it to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you did pray that today for the first time, or if it's just you giving your life back to Jesus after years of not living for him, whatever that is, I would love just to talk to you afterwards today, or you can come up and talk to Pastor Jared, because we want to be here with you. We want to live this journey with you. It's not meant to be done alone. Um, So... That's all that I have for you today. So as we sing this out, I just want to challenge you. Just sing it with all you are. And why don't we all stand together as we sing this today too.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.